This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Anishinaabeg and the Haudenosaunee people. We acknowledge the enduring presence of First Nation, Métis, and Inuit people on this land. We're grateful for the opportunity to gather in this territory, even virtually, and to be in this community. We commit ourselves to the work of reconciliation among settlers and Indigenous peoples, and we acknowledge that not all settlers were brought here by choice. Through this land acknowledgement, our intent is to honor and show gratitude to the original and ongoing stewards of the land as a sign of respect and willingness to learn and heal. We are mindful of broken covenants and the need to reconcile with all our relations. Together, may we care for this land and each other, drawing on the strength of our mutual history of nation building through peace and friendship, being mindful of the ancestors and generations to come. Welcome to The Intersection, where we are building community through candid conversations that lift, inspire, and advance social change. What does it mean to stand in your truth? How do your values show up in your life? And what do you do when your values are no longer aligned with your actions? Today, my co-host Jen Love and I, Kimberly McKenzie, are thrilled to welcome Mimosa Kabir into conversation. Mimosa is a dynamic, creative fundraiser with an established track record as a strategic and results-oriented champion for the nonprofit sector. With a career background ranging from libraries to theater, international aid to science, Mimosa brings a broad, holistic perspective to industry issues. She has extensive experience growing revenue through major gifts, individual giving, special events, and sponsorship. Mimosa currently works as a Senior Development Officer, Major Gifts, at the University of Toronto Libraries. Mimosa, Jen and I have an intimate chat about standing in our truth, the evolution of values as we get older, imposter syndrome, the importance of representation, and the discord that can happen when your personal values don't align with your organization's values. Please join Jen and me in welcoming Mimosa to the Hub. Mimosa, welcome to the Hub. We're so glad to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. (laughs) Well, Jen and I um, were talking about values and you came to mind immediately because uh, I think it's, I think that you, you live true to your values and we hoped that you would be willing to come in and chat with us about that today. So we're glad to have you. Um, before we get started into that, though, can you share a little bit about how you got into the charitable sector? We'd love to know. Absolutely. Um, well, I guess it really began when I was an undergrad. I did my degree in global development studies and history, and it really focused on, I guess, the context for which we live in today, like how the world came to be, how it is. And it was a lot of critical thinking and I guess realizing that the world that we've created is very unequitable. And when I graduated, I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I, that was the piece that I I couldn't let go of. Like, why is the world the way it is? And how did we let it get here? And As I was sort of exploring what I wanted to do, I came across the fundraising program at Humber and it really resonated with me because it was a chance to sort of create more equity in the world, um, Mm -hmm. to make my work feel meaningful and kind of flip the script on sort of, I had spent so much time learning of sort of the messes that we made. It was a chance to maybe clean up some of those messes or contribute to, to creating change and you know, having understood sort of the driving forces for how we got here, fundraising and philanthropy seemed like a way to balance out sort of some of the ways that we got here. And so that really kickstarted me into the field. So I'm, you know, I think a lot of stories previously of other people, they happened to fall into fundraising. Mine was a very intentional, curated um, choice to be in fundraising and philanthropy and in this space. And um, 
And then ever since I've sort of been working at different organizations, trying to figure out um, where I can contribute the most and, and where it feels right for me to be. I love how our origin stories are changing. Like, and I think there are an, a growing number of people who have their careers by design. And I think it's awesome, Mimosa. And that's why I've always felt really connected to you about these issues and about the way in which you approach your work. Because I think it does, like, that intention matters. Hmm. That's a that. really good point, Jen, that, that you've made. And I find about every five years, I need to take stock and there's a bit of a transition, right? And mm-hmm. And just like in a strategic plan for an organization, if we personally evaluate or think about what do we value in life in this moment and am I living those values in the work that I do every day when I show up personally and professionally, that's um, that's flow. I'd be keen to know both of your experiences mm-hmm. around that. And I'll let you go first. <laughs> Oof. Well, so Kimberly, you and I touched about this, touched on this in our last conversation. I think flow is what we seek, and that kind of moving from my experience and my thinking and my feeling and my body in this moment, and now I'm doing that same thing, and it's at work, and it's at home, and it's in my personal relationships, and it's in my decision making. I think that is what that flow is something that we all seek. I, and I think it's a journey, not a destination, Uh, you know, as a woman of a certain age who has some very proud career moments and very proud family and teenagers. I I don't want to think of it as like, Oh, got that done. Mm -hmm. Check. Mm -hmm. Like, I think this is a, is a constant evaluation and reevaluation of, values and moments and intentions and and I hope to always be challenged by that by other people including you both of you um so I I think it's a journey not a destination but I do think that the the continuing story is what keeps me going does that make sense that totally makes sense and it's actually so tied to what I was thinking about when I was thinking of what we would chat about today because you know, a few years ago, my mom got sick. And prior to that, I had always been sort of very goals driven. Um, I had that five year plan, 10 year plan, 15 year plan, this is what I want to achieve. I used to do these lists of like, by the time I turn 25, here are 25 things that I can cross off the list, right? And, and kind of keep going in that way. And um, then my mom got sick. And all of that didn't really matter as much. Um, And the plans that I had for the next week didn't matter the same way that they did the week prior. And you kind of realize that no matter what, there's always going to be sort of external forces that kind of come in and they might scrap your list. And if you haven't achieved that list, are you not successful or are you not happy? And I think that's the hardest part of like a goals driven approach is that when you reach goal, you have like 10 seconds of celebration and then you move on to the next, right? Like you're always constantly moving that goalpost and you're always expanding it. So you never really get to revel in it or celebrate or enjoy it because, you know, there's, there's always something next. And so I think when I think of values, it's a way to ground yourself in the everyday and kind of celebrate that you're, you're living in that moment. And I think that that's really important professionally and personally. And it's, you know, trying to mediate between the two so that you can feel good at the end of the day, even if you haven't crossed something off your list. Um, And I, and I think that's where that, you know, it is a journey because what is the destination? There isn't one, right? Like you're, you're always going to have another destination. So there's, I think like you can't ever really be happy if you're always trying to get there because you'll never actually be there. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, I love that because that speaks to being grounded in the practice, Mm -hmm. like grounded in the practice of learning, grounded in the practice of choosing. Um, And I hope that your family and your mom's health has improved, ma'am. It has, uh, thankfully. Still a few more things that always seem to pop up, but you know, since then, I think differently now. So I, I, I feel like it maybe made me more resilient, like able to kind of roll with the not knowing or, you know, I think before there was always this feeling of like the other shoes going to drop. And now I'm like, okay, if it drops, it'll be okay. <laughs> you know, you'll, you'll, you'll pick it back up. So um, definitely kind of changed the mindset and you know, uh, I recently switched jobs. And one of the questions that always pops up is sort of, where do you see yourself in 10 years or five years? And those questions that they ask. And, you know, in the past, I used to be so prescriptive in how I answered that. And now I always say, I don't actually know, because 10 years from now, life might look very different. 10 years from ago, there are jobs now that exist that I did not even know could be a job, (laughs) you know, um, from, Uber drivers too, like the whole world has transformed so quickly. And why would you limit yourself for jobs that you might not even think exist in the future or ways to live your life that, that we don't know about yet? So I honestly believe that if you're kind of true to your values, you'll get to where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it doesn't have to be that exact thing that you thought and it could change, but you kind of leave room for it to change the way that it it works for you. Hey, first of all, stupidest interview question ever. Like, <laughs> well, so let me turn it around onto you, KM, as your co-host. It's my job to shine this mirror back. Okay. So, how would you answer that same question? How do you see the way in which your values? evolve and change and especially within the journey you've been on with the last little while with the intersection so you tell us what am I telling you you're answering the same question that you just asked mimosa and I what was it (laughs) it okay so it it really it actually had to do with the death of my mother as well I think that we take stock when significant events happen in our lives Mm -hmm. and we have to, we, we are all, we, you know, the discord for me, I had to get back into, you know, I had built a consultancy. It was really good. Um, I was enjoying the work until I wasn't anymore. And my mother died Um, and I was grieved and I just, six months after she died, because there was a lot to take care of. But I just was hit with this wall of grief and couldn't get out of bed. And then it was my husband who said, I hated what I was doing. And he said, what would you do with your client if they were so stuck? And I said, well, we'd do a mind map. So I went through the exercise of what do I value? When I was doing this work as a full-time volunteer at the very beginning of my career, what was it that I valued and I valued people before things. I valued purpose before profit. I valued authenticity. I valued lifting others and supporting others. And when you get back and then all of a sudden, when you can ground yourself in what you value, the next question is, am I living a life aligned with these values? And that's where people get stuck. I think when their values no longer match their actions. I don't know if I've answered that question, but that was my journey through where I am now transitioning my career and talking to amazing people like you about these things. <laughs> you know, it's just, this is flow all the time for me now but, uh, and very much aligned with my values. So if I was to ask myself, where do I see myself in five years, probably doing exactly this, but with another puppy, probably. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think, Mimosa? Was there a time, you know, what was that like for you when you were in discord? I mean, I think it was, I 
I think anytime you're in Discord, the best thing to do is sort of take it one day at a time um, because you feel like you don't have control over so much that it's a way to kind of center yourself, I think, in a, in a way that that feels like, okay, I can do this. And, you know, I don't know if you ever watched this show on Netflix from ages ago. And there's this line in there where she says, it, she goes through like a, it's, it's a comedy, but she goes through a trauma at the beginning. And she says, I can do anything for 10 seconds. And so she always counts down to 10 and then she does it over and over and over again. And it's sort of what helps her through the trauma. And it's, it's a funny little joke in the show, but it stuck with me so much because it is that idea that like, no matter how bad it feels or how hard it feels, you can do it for 10 seconds. You, you can be there for 10 seconds and you can restart the clock every 10 seconds. You can do it for another 10 and you kind of build your blocks in that way. And I think, um, I've lost what I, where I started my thought, but I think that during, you know, challenging moments, it's things like that, that kind of help you get through. And, and I think that, you know, you mentioned authenticity, like that piece, I think is the piece that grounds us all is being true to yourself. And, you know, that's a really important value of mine. Um, and it, it's sometimes a hard value to navigate because we're conditioned to like make people like us. We're conditioned to think of how we interact with the environments around us, even in our careers, like the people that you meet and how you, how you interact with them and what's appropriate and what's not and what's authentic and not. And I think it's actually one of the hardest values to live, but the more that you can, the, the less discord you'll feel. Um, even if times are really hard because you, you get to be yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you end the day putting your head on the pillow thinking with no regrets, right. Because you were true to yourself, Jen. And I think we can also fake it. And I think we can fake it and be honest about faking it. And I think we can put our head on the pillow at the end of the day and said, I faked it and got the outcome that I wanted or pushed myself past something that was hard for me. And I realized that I faked it or that I didn't live completely true to my values, but I leapfrogged past the thing that was holding me back or the something that I couldn't confront and I can live with that too. Um, And I think that there's, this is where we get into authenticity, imposter values. I think this is a, these are waves crashing onto a beach much more so, or leaves in the grass much more so than their hard and fast rules. Um, And I do think that, part of living in the best way that you can at any given time is also knowing the moments when you can fake it or when you can punt it or when you can be participate but not participate fully and I think those things can be true at once um and as long as I, the story I tell myself anyway is as long as I'm approaching that with my own self-awareness, self-reflection, like, hey, Jen, you definitely let that roll over you in a way, or you let that conversation slide. I do think there are moments when we can, we can live multiple versions of those realities. Because I do think that living your best self and living your truest life can, can feel artificial to people in some ways. And I just want to honor the reality that sometimes it's not always true. Yeah. Well, that's the paradox of life. And we've talked about that before where two things can be real at once. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing that I think there's still values, you know, in that in moments like that, where maybe you don't want to open up your heart and greet the world. (laughs) with vulnerability um 
in those value, I would say that in those moments, um, you'd be valuing your own safety. In that yes. Situation. Yes. Yes. Well said. I was going to say similarly, like that to me, it's like the value of protection, right? And and you're doing it for a reason. So it, it's not to be inauthentic. Um, it's to protect or safeguard or get you through through something for sure. And 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 be self-aware, like self-aware above all other others. I would rather be self-aware and recognize my anxieties and my stresses and my concerns as opposed to being authentic if I'm ignoring the tingles up the back of my neck or the like, ooh, I'm not really doing this with my full heart and soul. I think, yeah, that's a good point, Mimosa. I would put self-awareness and like, okay, I know what I did there and I know why I did it. And I still value that for me right now. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, even something like authenticity, it also doesn't have to mean one thing that it doesn't have to be like a North star that never changes. Mm -hmm. Authenticity of who you are, who you are is constantly evolving and changing. So, you know, if I was authentic to myself eight years ago, it would be a different authenticity to now, right? I've, I've grown, I've changed and I've developed. And so, the meaning of the word for each individual person would continue to shift mm -hmm. and alter. And I think it doesn't mean that you have to reject all the versions that of yourself that came before. Um, it's, it's like almost a natural evolution of, of these moments that kind of allow us to, to take stock and, and reflect and become who we are in that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Calling on grace and self-compassion. Well, I guess we're done. All right. <laughs> but you know, what about that is important to you though? The, 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 the having the self-compassion to know that you're human and that there's going to be peaks and valleys. The only constant is change or I, I, some variation of that. Um, I think I recently saw that on LinkedIn, but uh, I mean, it pops up every so often because it's such a, a, a good reminder, but. Cause it's so true. Yeah. 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 And how does this show up for you, Kimberly? How are some of the ways in which you see these things changing or you at least see I think what Mimosa just said about like, sometimes your North Star, you don't always have the same North Star. You can have a different North Star or it moves in the sky. What are some of your reflections on that, given well, the conversations that you've been having and continue to have within the hub? Well, I think the, you know, in addition to what Mimosa said about change being the only constant, I think what we're seeing now in this post-COVID world is that human beings are just a hot mess most of the time, right? And Glennon Doyle in her book Untamed had a quote uh, that really resonated with me. I was actually listening to it while I was walking and I had to stop and make a note of it. And I'm going to butcher it, but um, it was something about maybe we're all fire inside covered with skin trying to be cool. And I was like, oh, yeah, I am. I am. Like, I'm just trying to, you know, how do you? And when she named that, it, and, and I think that when we can, through these conversations, acknowledge that sometimes our, we're living lives that are misaligned from what we value, or sometimes our values are shifting. When we share that, um, it helps other people feel normal. You know, does that make sense? Yes. And it, part of it comes with age too, I think, because I remember, Mimosa, I remember when you were a Humber student. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, like, I do think we knew each other back then. <laughs> and there's, um, this is what I love about getting old is that it, it, it 
older is that there's a wisdom and a maturity and a comfort with just who you are. Do you find that? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's, it's interesting because, um, you know, I think when you're a young person, you almost dread getting older. Uh, and society kind of conditions you to feel that dread, right? That, that getting older means, um, I don't know, but, uh, you know, with time you do, you know, as I mentioned the idea of authenticity, it's easier to be authentic to myself with time Mm -hmm. because I am, I feel more like myself now than I did 10 years ago. And that is, it's sort of a reward onto itself is is like getting to know myself, but also allowing myself to be myself, mm-hmm. um, which I think when I was younger, I just, I wouldn't. And I, I feel like that disconnect was a lot stronger. And, you know, I hope that as I kind of continue to age that that continues to like realign myself with myself is just, um, I guess I've known myself longer now than I did then. <laughs> so uh, if you could go back 10 years and talk to your, you know, 10 years ago self, what would you say? I wouldn't say anything, to be honest. I, I, uh, I would allow it to go the way it did because I, I truly believe that you know, that that's what leads you to the next thing. And and there's nothing in my present that I would trade. Um, so, so I, you know, and, and I think that's where the idea of values comes back again, because it's in that moment, if you're living what you value, then it kind of gives you the experience you're looking for. And, you know, certain things have changed. I, you know, when I reflect on my values, one of my values is actually beauty and I always feel weird saying that because it sounds like it's vain or shallow but I like my spaces to look and feel a certain way so anytime I'm in the office I set it up in a way that feels beauty to me so that I you know I enjoy being in that space and so you know sometimes it's small things like that and that's something that's consistent though so i have some things from my very first job that i've taken with me to every single job that i've had or every single office space that i've had whether it's at home whether it's in person and, and i keep it there and it makes me feel happy right and that it's it's a weird value <laughs> and it's like one that's almost just for myself but it is there and um you know it kind of I don't know. It's kind of this nice reminder of sort of uh, some things that also do stay constant and uh, that I'm, I'm here for that too. Jen, oh, I, okay. I have a lot of feelings <laughs> as I always do. And I love what you just said, Mimosa, because I think what you're saying is talking about knowing yourself longer and loving yourself for longer. And that's, that is a huge benefit of age and aging that we don't celebrate enough. Mm -hmm. I've yesterday, my baby turned 17. And when they were born, I didn't think that I could love anything more than the thing that was born. And then my 17 year old, is something that I love galaxies bigger than I could have possibly understood when I held that baby for the first time all those years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think the more we know ourselves and the more we listen to ourselves for longer, the better we are and the better the people are around us who love us. Mm-hmm. And if that's something that we can give to the world, then this podcast is worth everything because I think it is, we're in such an immediate, quick, make change now culture. And I do think that knowing yourself and loving yourself over time 
is a gift. Yeah. I have this statue behind me. <laughs> what is that statue? That, to talk about this statue. It I was, doesn't look weird at all. <laughs> it is uh, bronze of a naked, round, middle-aged woman skinny dipping on a piece of Georgian Bay granite. And it's the only time that I ever, um, I'll find the link to the artist and put it in the show notes, but it's the only time that I ever was walking through an art gallery and was moved to tears because I saw this statue and I am a little heavier than I should be. um, And I love skinny dipping. (laughs) And I saw it and I went, Oh, look how proud and beautiful that woman who looks exactly like me is naked. And her face is just so full of joy and abandon. And I just started crying because there's a, there was this little one, but there was also like a four foot version of it. And, um, and through that statue, all of my shame and body image issues melted away. And I just loved my body. And so Mimosa, you talk about value and beauty and having things. Value and beauty. Yeah, I'm so glad yeah. you talked about that, Mim. This is this is part of that for me is just when I'm in a Zoom room and I just look at that beautiful statue. No one else really knows what it is, but I know that that's me naked, skinny dipping on a rock, mm-hmm. full of confidence and joy. Um, and uh, that, I guess that's the power of art but also the power of self-acceptance, the power of, go ahead. I was going to say, I think I'm, I'm really glad. And I know I got onto my own story there and thank you for, for entertaining it, everyone. <laughs> we want that. But, but I think one of the things you said, Mim, about the, you know, the importance of beauty and having a beautiful space and having a beautiful experience where you are living and working and I think it's too easy and it's actually the like the lazy lack of self-awareness that would make someone say oh like what's with the need to have the like space with the books and the lighting and the plants like isn't that all just vanity and I think it's really important to say no It might look like vanity to you, but it's very real to me. Mm. And and I think that especially among women, it gets very easy to just be like, ugh, vanity or beauty or fashion or art or culture or whatever. And it gets dismissed. And I and I just want to hold a bit of space for the fact that that can be a core value that is not frivolous or vain. It's connected and real. And even if I look at it and say, I get that this is a bit shallow because I understand myself well enough to know that like the depth is here and the shallowness is here, that's still okay. And I'm really glad you brought that up because I think beautiful spaces and beautiful the things that we consider to be beautiful are things that we should enshrine, regardless of whether we have that voice in the back of our head, like, oh, someone's going to see it this way, or someone's going to consider it that way. So I'm just really glad that you brought up that piece. So here's the thing, though. Hmm. You, um, you had that judgment, you know, Jud, Jud, the, the idea that, oh, people, I know this is shallow, but, and I just want to call out the judgment because we, we, we need to acknowledge when we have those judgment thoughts going through our mind. Cause I, I, I don't, I think that's the saboteur showing up and, uh, and just even just noticing when that shows up, we, it, it's a useful skill. Absolutely. And I think that that's really important because it, it qualifies sort of how you then reflect on yourself, right? Because you're thinking that if, it's, it's almost validating the judgment, right? Like as if, mm-hmm. or, or coming from a place of, of defending it, I guess. But um, absolutely, I am glad that you called that out. And, you know, I'm really glad you st- shared the story about your statue as well, because what I was thinking in my head is, 
how important representation is, right? Like to be able to see yourself in that yeah. is what made you feel connected. And I think we underestimate the importance of, of needing that and of feeling, you know, I think earlier you had mentioned it makes people feel normal, right? And it's like to, to see something like that on a larger scale and then to say, I see myself in it. Um, I think that that's one of the most powerful experiences. And I, you know, I hope that there's more representation of all different kinds of things and experiences so that people are able to find themselves in it and find it like a moment of connection that that makes them feel, oh, like I'm okay as I am because there are others like me and and that it, it's there and it's beautiful wherever it is, right? Hi, it's Kimberly again. I just wanted to pop in and let you know that if this conversation is getting you thinking about your own values, you may want to get in touch and have a chat with me. As a trained co-active coach, I work with professionals like you every day to get unstuck and live a joyful and purpose-filled, successful life. So you can see the show notes for a link to a free one-on-one conversation with me to see if we can help you get to a place of resonance. Now back to Jen and Mimosa. You know, in the past, as you both know, I've talked about imposter syndrome quite a bit. And, you know, when I first started talking about imposter syndrome, everything I understood about it was about how the individual kind of takes full ownership over feeling like an imposter. You know, it's this idea that you have... um, that you are feeling like you don't belong and that you are underestimating your own value and that you're not feeling confident. And so you're really the one that is holding yourself back from, you know, actualizing your potential. And the more I learned about it, and it took a few years, to be honest, I realized that what are the conditions in place that make you feel like an imposter, right? And how the fact that I'd been talking about it, like we had all this control over feeling like an imposter really actually did a disservice because organizations should be responsible for making you feel like you belong as much as an individual can take some ownership over it. If they don't, they're not feeling welcome in a space, of course, they're not going to feel like they belong. Right. And so um, I think that, you know, in terms of, values there that is also how it shows up again it's it's that idea of that I don't know that connection piece of how can organizations create this culture that makes people feel not just welcomed but also valued (laughs) um you know and 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 create a space where you know, and this isn't just about equity, diversity, inclusion, it it expands so much further beyond that. But it's that idea of representation again, too, right, is how do you model that? How do you demonstrate that there's room here for, for you in different versions of, of the organization as well. So I am happy to chat about that further, too. Um, And I do think, I think you said a really important word early in this conversation, Mosa, which was discord. It, it, it's because discord is no one's fault. Like discord is not, I'm the imposter or I'm the, you know, sheep of the wrong color trying to get myself into the situation. But it's that moment where anybody can recognize discord and kind of be like, wait a minute, something's off here. I'm prepared to acknowledge my onness or offness. But if I'm met with a system or a leadership person or colleagues who are not prepared to recognize mm-hmm. or at least analyze their on or offness, then discord always becomes your fault because you're the one who's like, this doesn't sound right. It doesn't feel right. And I can't put my finger on it, but I've evaluated where I'm coming at this from. And I think I'm doing what I can. Therefore, 
whatever else is left kind of has to be either us to own and share or for you to own and share. Mm -hmm. And I think discord is a good way of putting that because it's not necessarily blamey or faulty. Like you're doing this to me and it's making me feel or you're creating this environment and my outcomes are. It's more like something's just not working here. And here's how I've evaluated this and looked at this. Can you offer anything? And if your colleagues or your employer or the people around you are like, no, everything's fine. You're the one that doesn't fit. Chances are that's fake news. And that's the story they're telling themselves to maintain whatever structures and power systems and dynamics that they need to do what they want to do. Mm -hmm. And so I think cracking open some of these conversations about an examined life, a self-aware life, the conversations that we have with each other, like, hey, am I totally wrong on this? Like, am I reading this wrong? Yes or no? Those are invaluable for us to be able to orchestrate or engineer the next versions of ourselves in the next job or the next workplace or the next whatever. Like, hey, I showed up like this before and here's what happened. Now I'm doing this, is this gonna work any better? I just, I hope that we can all see that it's discord, not blame. Sometimes it's blame, yeah. let's be honest. Sometimes it's like, well, you think. Yes. And, and those, you know, those are the brave conversations that we need to have to create a safe culture. That's, that's the responsibility of leadership within an organization to create a culture of safety so that if there is discord, People can call it and say, look, something's not feeling okay here. And I love the Brenny Brown tool of uh, the story I'm telling myself in my head. Is <laughs> you know, like that is such a the story I'm telling myself in, in my head is that this conversation isn't that interesting to anybody. But that's just the story in my head, because you both look like you're enjoying this conversation. <laughs> And I am, but, you know, it's a really useful tool because using that, then it gives the opportunity to somebody else to go, wait, what? That's not, that's not how I'm seeing this. What do you think, Mimosa? Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that too, I, I mean, I think we underestimate how powerful our thoughts are sometimes. And I think that that tool is just a way to call out sort of you know, words like truth are probably the most complicated words in the English language, like the meaning and the truth is what's truth for one person is not always truth for another. And we always see truth as this absolute. And I think that that to itself kind of highlights that, right? Like, it's like, I'm telling myself this because of whatever reason, and it, might not be the truth, even though it's something that I'm repeating to myself. But I think the other layer that I would add there is it is also important to recognize why you're telling yourself that story. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that is where ownership, you know, and that idea of discord again, like comes back because I think that, I think especially women, um, are conditioned to take ownership over everything. And sometimes it's it's shared. And I think that that's really important because we take ownership over things that we cannot control. And we kind of, it's sort of like, well, I interpreted it this way. So it's my fault for my interpretation of it. And sometimes it's like, actually, there are nuances that you're catching on to that are making you think a certain thing that are making you feel a certain way. Sometimes it's people, sometimes it's words, sometimes it's just situations. And I think it's important not just to take stock of the story that you're telling and you're telling yourself, but why you're telling yourself that story. And to really change the story, you need to look at both because that's where you can also like let your hands free a little bit and say, okay, well, this is my part of it, but this part is actually not about me. Right. And and it kind of gives you this, I think, power in a certain way back that it isn't just you, even though like, you know, 
we are ourselves, so we're constantly living um, in our own heads. But uh, I don't know if that's making sense. But uh, just that idea of of sharing that responsibility and that you know, it's what you were saying even about leadership. It's it's creating that space to like recognize it and talk about it. Um, but also, as Jen mentioned, like it's it's acknowledging that it isn't anyone's fault, but that there's work to be done. Mm-hmm. It, absolutely. And this is um, at, in Adam Grant's book, uh, Think, Think Again, or Thinking, anyway, his new um, Think Again, he talks about the difference between task conflict and emotional conflict, right? And it's healthy for teams and groups to be in task conflict. You know, call out the discord, or maybe we're not being as efficient as we want, or we're moving back to some people want to work from home just fine, and some people don't. You know, there's so many issues in this new normal that we're creating. Um, Having conflict around that and being brave enough to call it out and talk about it um, without getting emotionally conflicted about it is a useful tool for teams and for people, I think. And the other thing is you were both talking that came to mind for me is we talked a little bit about compassion for ourselves, but when we can approach the world with compassion for each other, um, then that makes some of those conversations a little bit easier, right? Assume good intent. Who did I learn that from? I don't remember who taught me that, but, but I'm going to assume that your intentions in this conversation are good. (laughs) And, and uh, yeah. But I think, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to just pinch that and say, I assume your intentions are good. If you're coming to this conversation, self-aware and open Mm. and curious if you're coming to this conversation saying mm-hmm. I'm the boss mm-hmm. and things need to stay the way they are because I have budget to deliver and a board of directors to answer to, and I have no more flexibility on whether I'm hiring or firing more people, do what you're expected to do. I don't think that's the same calculation, KM. Mm-hmm. I think there is a different version of this. And I think wouldn't it be great if we felt like when we were confronting or addressing larger systemic complicated issues, we felt like our leaders were like, okay, I'm actually open to this. I'm curious about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm bringing my own awareness, mm-hmm. even if it's not perfect. And even if I might not have called things, I'm telling myself a story and now that I see that that's part of the framework, I understand that it's not the story that everyone else is telling. Mm-hmm. I do think that the vast majority of experiences for people, especially as they're working through various stages in their career, is like, oh, I guess I have to trust that this person is doing that, even though as an emotional energy person, I can always read when they are and are not. And is like, ooh you're not doing the work that you needed to do to show up to this right. And then that sets me back and sets the conversation back personally. So yeah, I like your intention, Kimberly, about assuming that everybody has the best intentions, but I think I would like to just pinch that and say, you could only have the best intentions if you actually spend a little bit of time on your own self-awareness mm. and understand what, what, what do you have in the overhead compartment? You might not think that you're bringing baggage to this conversation, but you're bringing something. Mm -hmm. And if you don't at least realize that, even if you don't call it out and make it public and have it be part of discussion, but if you don't recognize that you're bringing your own needs, then I think it it sets other people who are coming to it open-hearted and curious and ready back. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to fix that. And if I did... I'm sure the charitable sector would be in a way better place. <laughs> I think but, part, of, part of it is just having conversations like this and modeling it in our yeah. interactions with each other, right? Yes. Yeah. And I love that you called on the value of curiosity because mm. that is such an important. So I have this list of values that we've talked about today. Do you want to hear them? 
equity, dignity, justice, authenticity, compassion, beauty, curiosity. Mm. Nice. Sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) I'll actually add openness too, because I think that openness is, um, I I love that word uh, because, you know, it, I, I think that if we all approach things with an openness that everything would feel a lot easier, <laughs> um, you know, and again, I'm mindful of the conditions that exist sometimes that don't make it easy to feel open. Um, but when you can be, and when you can bring yourself as as an open person to a situation. Um, I don't know if any of you watch uh, Queer Eye on Netflix, but uh, you know, openness is something that I think of when I think of that show because so many people come a certain way um, when they're starting out in the show. And then by the end of their journey, it's all blown wide open and it's it's beautiful to watch. Um, And uh, yeah, I, I just wish, you know, I think self-awareness could actually be on that list too. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think to be open, you need to be self-aware because you have to recognize that you are coming with certain baggages and that you are coming with certain perceptions and ideas and, and things that you might be trying to reinforce in any conversation you have with anyone, you know, whether it's personal or professional and that, um, that might impact how the conversation goes because, you know, you're, you're setting an expectation on it. Yeah. Mimosa, thank you so much for coming, um, and sharing your light today. Uh, are there, was there anything else that you felt compelled to share or have we wrapped a bow around it? I think we've wrapped a bow around it. I think <laughs> maybe sometimes hard to follow bow, but <laughs> but but definitely a bow oh yeah so nice to have you in the hub um mimosa i cut you off there oh no i just said thank you for having me oh (laughs) i I think my only the only thing i'd like to add is that i i think i want my bow today to be a little extra intentional and like frayed at the edges in just the right way and just the right colors because I do think certainly in my experience mimosa's beauty and love of beauty shines and so I want that bow to just be perfect not perfect by someone else's standards but perfect because it deserves to be and I really appreciate you acknowledging that piece um yeah and i just love your spirit man always have yeah mimosa thank you so much for joining jen and i in conversation we could have chatted with you all day and we will absolutely bring you back next season folks please remember to like subscribe and share this podcast let's keep widening the circle and building community through conversation